0: This is a CNA Podcast. Rain falls. Funeral music plays. The engine of the hearse idles respectfully. A mother struggles to stop stroking the urn of her son, while her husband stands motionless beside her. It's time. But she's not ready. Neither of them are. It will be the last journey for their boy, Wade and Feng. It's a journey that started online with the promise of love and led him to his death thousands of miles from home. Hi, I'm your host, Steve Lai, and on this episode of CNA Correspondent, you'll hear a story of desperation, manipulation, and devastation that serves as a cautionary tale for a growing regional problem.
1: A warning for anyone looking for work in Southeast Asia, job scams are on the rise. This follows the death of a 23-year-old Malaysian who went to Thailand to meet an online girlfriend, only to be forced to work for scam networks in Myanmar.
0: This story of Feng is shocking and sad. But sadder still is it's not an isolated case. Transnational crime syndicates operating in countries like Myanmar, Cambodia and Laos have been luring victims out of their home countries with the promise of work, money or love and then enslaving them to carry out scams themselves with violent consequences if they resist. And here to tell you about Zhenfeng's story and how these cross-border crime syndicates operate and what is being done to stop it, is CNA's Malaysia correspondent Melissa Go. Hi, Mal. Thanks for your time today. Pleasure. Let's start with Wade Zin Feng. You followed his story all the way to his funeral in his hometown in Ipoh Perak. What did you learn about how he became a scam victim?
1: Zheng Feng was targeted by scammers from the very beginning when he met a girl via social media, sometimes in August last year. Although he was always heard chatting with her online, his parents, including the brothers and the sister, none of them have ever seen her face or know how she looks like. She was never introduced to them because Zheng Feng said she's really shy. But about five months into the online relationship, Zheng Feng told the parents in January that he's going to Bangkok to meet her since there's two weeks break before his final semester began. Now, his parents didn't say no, because after all, Zheng Feng is already 23 years old, and he's very well built. He knows Taekwondo, is six foot tall. He should be able to know how to look after himself. Zheng Feng did promise his mom that he will be back in time to celebrate her birthday. But he didn't come home and he didn't call home either. So the parents got really worried and decided to lodge a police report in February. They suspected something bad might have happened to him, but it never crossed their minds that the son was smuggled into Myadi in southern Myanmar and sold to an online scam syndicate in a notorious KK Park.
0: And once he fell into the hands of these scam syndicates, what happened next?
1: According to his father... Zeng finally called home in March and apologized to his mum that he missed the birthday, and he told them that he caught COVID. Shortly after he arrived in Bangkok, and he's been sick since then, and he needed about twenty thousand US dollars for medical treatment. Now, he said at first the syndicate wouldn't believe him. They continued to force him to scam others to come over, and when he refused, he was bitten again and again by a fellow Malaysian from the southern state of Johor, but he didn't name him. Now, the father told me that he could sense, he could hear that the son was being threatened as he was rather evasive, and that was the last time he got to speak with his eldest son. He died two months later.
0: And do we know what the circumstances were that led to his death?
1: After the alarming phone call, the parents lodged another police report and they were told that Interpol was alerted, but they waited and waited. They heard nothing from the police, while Zheng Feng's health got worse. It deteriorated so badly that the syndicate finally let him go. According to the nurse at Sot Hospital in Thailand near Myanmar border, Zheng was brought in in April by a Rohingya lady. He was immediately admitted to ICU. His urine was all black, and Zhenfeng died in the hospital a month later. According to a Malaysian assemblyman, Sim Chun Siam, who accompanied the parents to claim the body in Thailand, the hospital listed the cause of death as pneumonia and multiple organ failure.
0: It really is quite a dire situation that he found himself in. And all that time, it was all based on a lie. The girl that he had thought he had fallen in love with never existed.
1: Yes, nobody has seen her face. She's a ghost. On the social media, the friends heard of her as New Zone, or the goddess. Until today, they have no idea how to trace who this is, but they know that the son is a scam victim, and he's gone. For the parents, they are utterly shattered. I saw them at the funeral. They thought their son was still alive. Back in August, they saw a video clip of a young man lying in ICU bed, just helpless-looking in the hospital bed, and somehow the assemblyman, Mr. Sim, through his friend in Thailand, managed to get hold of this video and show it to the parents. And they quickly identified that this could be the son. They flew over to Thailand and rushed to Maysot, only to be told by the hospital that the son had passed away three months ago in May. So it's been rather daunting for the family
0: And I understand they also had to exhume his body from the grave that he had been buried in. You managed to speak to them during the funeral. What did they say?
1: In order to confirm the son's death, they had to exhume the body from DNA tests. He was buried in a mass grave. So have had to find the body first and exhume it. But first, the parents had to pay the hospital bill that came up to about US dollars It was the most painful three weeks in their lives, having to wait for the DNA test results. The parents decided to cremate the body after that and bring back the ashes. You know what hurt the parents the most was the fact that despite phone being so ill till the very end. He didn't give up. He was trying to reach out to the parents to save him. I saw the video clip of his final days that he was intubated, his eyes wide open, but he couldn't speak. The nurse said he tried to press the number of parents. And the nurse, to be fair, did try to call that number and reach the mother. But the mother said, no, it's not the son, because the patient was registered under a different name. So the son, in the end, had to die alone in a foreign land after being abused and tortured, and he tried till very end to seek help. And it's just so painful to watch them because the mother was crying and caressing the urn and speaking to the urn, and yet there's nothing they could do.
0: Heartbreaking to hear the details of this story, Mel. It, it really is a terribly sad situation for the parents to have to go through, and for Zunfeng himself, of course, sad and tragic are the only words I can use to describe it. But it's not As we also learned from your reporting, an isolated case, it's actually been revealed to be a much bigger problem, these scam syndicates, than first thought.
1: So many parents, they are appealing for help after the death of Zheng Feng shockwaves across the country. Some took the case straight to the Prime Minister's office, urging for Prime Minister Ismail Sabri to help bring home their sons. Others waited outside embassies. I was at Laos embassy and parents the NGOs were submitting a memorandum urging the Laos government to help. Officially, the foreign ministry said they have received over 300 reported cases across Myanmar, Laos, and Cambodia. More than half have since been rescued and returned to Malaysia, and mostly from Cambodia. And lately, we are also seeing some returning from the notorious KK Park in Myanmar and some from Laos. Now, as we speak, some young Malaysians are still trying to go over. Despite the media reports, despite the objection from their parents, they're driven by jobs, by money and other interests. Some of those return to Malaysia. They continue to scam others to go over, scam their friends to go over, despite having gone through the ordeal themselves, tempted by money. And some are threatened by, they're worried about their own safety that the syndicates will come after them if they don't do so. So the problem persists, and this is not the end of it.
0: It certainly isn't, and it's not the end of our podcast episode either. Next on CNA Correspondent, you'll hear more about what authorities are doing about it.
1: Hi, my name is Julie Yu, and I'm the host of the new season of The Climate Conversations. From chefs to scientists, join me as we get personal with the people driving change in sustainability. Look out for our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. All the ASEAN countries should denounce, should denounce the activities of human trafficking, okay? And I think the prime minister should have a discussion with the, with the countries involved, the prime minister of the countries involved to try
0: to solve this problem. That was Malaysia's former Inspector General of Police, Musa Hassan, calling for coordinated cooperation at the highest levels to stop cross-border syndicates from human trafficking by enslaving online scam victims to carry out even more scams. You're listening to me, Steve Lai, along with Melissa Go, CNA's Malaysia correspondent. Mel, we were talking before the break about how big a problem this is. Any time that crime takes place across borders, things get complicated, don't they?
1: Yes, it's a complex situation. The former Malaysian police chief Musa Hassan, whom I spoke with recently, said it needs tremendous political will. First of all, the government, the prime minister himself, must reach out to his counterparts in Cambodia, in Laos, and Myanmar. And ambassadors in these countries said that they are negotiating with authorities. It's a painstaking process. These Malaysians, after they are rescued, they are held in depot because many of them have broken the immigration laws of the country. So. When they were smuggled in, and some were identified as ringleaders themselves, and they may be charged. So the Malaysian police, even the Interpol, they cannot do much. Yes, it's kidnapping, it's transnational crime, it's human trafficking, it's even murder, but they have no jurisdiction to act in these countries. These are sovereign states, so they need to rely on the local enforcement authorities, the agencies to help them. And it's not easy Although Prime Minister Ismail Sabri has given his assurance that all Malaysian scam victims will be brought back home safely, many parents are not convinced, they are anxious. The longer they wait, they fear for the worst that the children's lives are in danger.
0: Malaysian authorities, as you mentioned before the break, have managed to recover and bring home some Malaysians that have been caught up in these scams. Are there steps that the Malaysian government is taking to help the other hundreds of citizens that may be getting caught up in all of this?
1: Prime Minister Ismail himself has announced the setting up of a special multi-agency committee led by a foreign ministry to oversee the safe return of these Malaysian scam victims. The government has been using existing channels, including seeking help from the local authorities. I spoke with the Malaysian ambassador to Cambodia, His Excellency Eldin Hussaini, Mama Hashim, and he said some are more proactive than others. Increasingly, he's sharing data intel, pooling resources with ambassadors from other countries like Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand, because their citizens were also in the same situation, in the same trouble. So to put pressure on Phnom Penh or to any of these governments to act, it's better to speak with one voice. And also when victims send out their SOS messages, there are coordinates. Sometimes these coordinates may not be accurate But if the other embassies receive similar SOS and coordinates, chances of locating the victims, their exact location is far greater, he said. Also, there will be greater pressure on the authorities to act upon these requests. So it's team efforts now, and it varies from one country to another, depending how proactive the ambassadors are.
0: Yes, and it certainly needs some regional cooperation, right?
1: Indeed, regional cooperation is key. ASEAN must come together to protect the region as a whole from being used by international scam syndicates to host their operations. Former police chief Musa Hassan said that they are churning out scammers, forcing young Malaysians into slavery. Many are now brainwashed when they come back. As a result, they are fearful of their lives. Even after they are back, they continue to scam others to go over. He also thinks that it's not a bad idea to actually stop them from going. All the young travellers, especially those travelling solo, at least an interview before they leave the country so that they don't fall victim to all these scams. And, you know, if not a ban, because I checked with the ambassadors, it would be a bad idea to have a blanket ban because it will be discriminatory and it will be biased on certain countries. They can't issue a travel advisory, but they can at least conduct an interview at immigration before they leave, just to be sure. The syndicate's tactics are always evolving. They are moving their headquarters from one place to another within the region. We are hearing some Malaysians are trapped in Vietnam. So ASEAN countries must close all doors in order to be one step ahead of them. Already thousands of young Malaysians have become scam victims. Some like Tseng Feng, they lost their lives. Many parents also lost so much money having to rescue their children. This scourge has to end.
0: It certainly does. If you're listening and thinking you or someone you know should know more about how these scams work, there's a CNA Explains article on our website detailing how you can avoid falling for such scams. But Mel, from working on this story, what lessons do you think our listeners should be taking away?
1: That we are all at risk. We have to be vigilant at all times. If the job offers promise high pay and yet no qualification necessary, that itself is a red flag. We just have to be very careful, double-check with the embassies. I know sometimes we let our guard down. Also, we want to believe many people have lost their jobs, they are desperate for money. We all have a collective responsibility, after all, to warn others, to spread awareness, to remind each other. The syndicates may be evolving their tactics, but if the media continues to shine a spotlight on them, and they know the public is waging an all-out war on them, it will be harder for them to pray.
0: And we've got to make that job harder for them to keep everyone safe. Thank you, Mel, for talking us through this story. It's been great to have you on today. Thank you, Steve. There's a good chance that while listening to the pod, you probably had that old adage of if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is running through your head. I know, I certainly did. So what does it come down to? Desperation? Ignorance? Naivety? Blind optimism? Perhaps all of the above. Circumstances certainly play their part as well. The victims have common traits, like poor support structures of family or friends that they feel that they can talk to, they are in a desperate situation, or they want to feel special, whether it's for a romantic connection or to profit from an investment opportunity. Essentially, they all want to feel like they are winning at life. And scammers know this. So you have to acknowledge the level of sophistication of these scam syndicates is forever changing and evolving as they find new ways to prey on our frailties. To counter this, as they get smarter, we have to as well. And you and I should do what we can to look out for each other online because it's not just money at risk, it's lives too. Thank you for listening to this episode of CNA Correspondent. The TV version airs on CNA every Wednesday at 9.30pm. You can also catch up with it wherever and whenever you like on cna.asia or our mobile app do like and subscribe to this podcast version that takes you behind the scenes and beyond the headlines with our correspondents. Thank you for listening. Our podcast team is made up of Jacqueline Chan, Daniel Lee, Crispina Robert, Clara Ong, and me, Steve Blunt.